Mishka is a student of history and sociology, a pianist, composer, and activist. These are some of the categories that Mishka occupies, but there is so much more about her, and over the next few months, I am hopeful we will get to know her, her analysis, and her work much more. In this, our first episode together, we talk about socialism, good and bad. We talk about the 1968 Prague Spring. We talk about dividing a country, identity, activism, and how we are often imperceptibly moulded by history. In short, it doesn't take us long to get into a lot of interesting topics. Thank you, Mishka, for your time, and I look forward to the next one. To an mic clocking out, enjoy. A little addendum here in the post-production phase of this podcast episode. Mishka sent me some sample work of hers that she would like me to share. And so this is in addition to the original podcast as published yesterday. Enjoy and thank you, Mishka, for sharing this. That's the first time that I've heard it, and that is an extremely beautiful and dramatic piece of music. Thank you, Mishka, for sharing. Um, yeah, now we'll continue with the original podcast. Enjoy. I'm joined by Mishka for the first time. Hello, Mishka. How are you? Hi there. I'm fine. Thank you. Good, good, good. Now, people don't really know sometimes how a podcast uh, channel, a small one like mine, gets their guests. And a lot of the time it's by reference. Um, so you are an, an unplanned, uh, fantastic gift uh, presented to me by Anna. Um, so thank you, Anna, for this. Um, and what's interesting is the areas in which your interests coincide with 
the podcast. So you are a student of sociology and history. And on top of that, you are also a pianist and a composer. Yeah, that's right. I finished my um, studies of uh, music uh, in the UK. Um, that was for my bachelor degree. And then I decided to do my master's in sociology, which I already completed, but I still keep on basically observing the society and wondering what's going on right now. <laughs> I'd say there are lots of us wondering what's going on right now. Um, I'm not actually sure if anybody has the ability to have a complete view of what's going on. Um, but uh, what is quite clear is there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world. It's quite chaotic right now. Indeed, I agree. And um, that's why I think it's so important to try to create some kind of peacefulness. And uh, that's why I try to concentrate on the music and uh, on making this um, happen through, yeah, just um, connecting to the people who like to enjoy some kind of uh, nice times and create as much as peace as possible. Yeah, yeah. Which also not to bring up a point which we'd kind of planned uh, to discuss, but something that you, you remind me of. Um, I read a lot of messages on social media about people who really want to enjoy their lives, so younger people. Um, but when they are so heavily affected by the news that they see and the suffering that they are aware of, they find it difficult. They start to feel a bit guilty um, you know, why should I go out and see my friends when other people's friends have died? Why should I go to a restaurant? Other people don't have the money for this. Why should I go to a, um, a dance club? Because other people, they don't even have a dance club anymore. It was destroyed. That's not the way to bring about change. As in, if we feel guilty for the small pleasures that we can have, which sustain us to be able to then channel our activism elsewhere, we need to be able to have these outlets. And I think that's one of the things that people like you present us with, isn't it? Yeah, that's really important to mention that without looking firstly um, about ourselves and looking after ourselves, um, we couldn't really share the inspiration or the positive kind of power that we might have if we would like to make some changes or just bring awareness to certain problems. So I kind of believe, and thanks for referring to Anna, because exactly that's the kind of lady with who we were actually working on a project for um, collecting some money for Ukraine after the war started. And basically, yeah, we just realized that in order to make um, people aware of certain problems that needs to be addressed, we cannot do it if we don't look after ourselves. So indeed, um, it really is connected. Uh, but um, I must also admit that sometimes I can also observe or I've been um, observing back in times um, when I was still living in Slovakia that maybe, you know, some of my peers wouldn't be really questioning, like, where are we living? What is our society about? What is the background? And like, they would be a little bit maybe sometimes rather 
ignorant. And I think that um, this is maybe also the kind of problem that we have, that basically we should all kind of start to realize that we all individuals have responsibilities and we all have maybe um, kind of possibility to make things maybe not better. So maybe not right now, uh, we cannot really solve the big wars happening, but we can just become aware of the issues and then we can start to think about potential improvements or what can we kind of change and yeah or what should we rather avoid maybe let's start just with this let's start with like not reading fake news and not believing them without checking the sources properly for example yeah i think you raised some fantastic points and what's also interesting is that kind of um draws into focus a very small debate I had yesterday with somebody. We were talking about the effects of colonialism and he mentioned how um, there were good as well as bad uh, parts of the British Empire. Um, and I wanted to say that, sorry, but there is no no way to equate the level of uh, bad with anything good that may have occurred. Um, and to forget all of these things some people do this because it makes them feel that they can live their lives easier. Um, ignorance is a choice for a lot of people because I'm so sure that a lot of our younger generations are really intelligent because they're forced to be intelligent. But when they don't want to think about these things, it's a choice. So that ignorance is a choice because it makes them feel more comfortable with the way that they live their lives. Um, and I think we should help people to realize, look, you're not guilty for what has happened in the past, but you're definitely responsible, as you just said, for making a change today and tomorrow. So come and let's work together on that. Um, and, and I think these are the kinds of positive approaches we need to take. I don't want to blame anybody for what happened in the past, but let's fix today. Um, and we need everybody's participation in that. Yeah, exactly. And maybe not everybody also has like this kind of huge um, courage straight away, because I think it also takes a courage to be able to realize that there might be, you know, some uh, trauma or some yeah bad decision made in, in past. Of course, for that kind of uh, things, you also need a lot of courage, firstly. But um, yeah, I still exactly believe like that we can uh, make things better because, for example, mentioning the Ukrainian people, like when the war started here in Berlin, then I met really young guys who just decided to organize whole protests and then they they actually um, created a Viche organization that then created all the protests and they are right now quite big cultural institution and um, it's wonderful to see how strong the people are, how um, together they basically support each other and uh, of course they have, you know, sometimes good times, like they also go for a party in Berlin, they also go to a restaurants and everything, but they just are together and they are trying to solve the issues that is going on in Ukraine and they try to support uh, the, the Ukraine as much as they can from abroad, which, yeah, is really important, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and we're having our discussion with obviously the backdrop um, of also uh, another uh, conflict currently taking place in, in Gaza, um, which has also drawn into focus some of the pre-existing prejudices within German society. Uh, but this is something that we should perhaps talk about um, at a future point um, so as not to introduce too many diverse political elements uh, within our first conversation, because that would be a shame. Um, but people may have noticed then, and you also mentioned too, that um, of your Slovakian heritage, but you were born in a different country, is that correct? <laughs> yes, that's correct. I was born a few months before um, Czechoslovakia was uh, divided into Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yeah, um, so I mean, that must be quite interesting as well. So you were essentially born in exactly the same place that you grew up, but it was a different country, uh, which is quite funny. Yes, definitely. And that was also part of the history lessons that we had at gymnasium, for example. It's like I was born in Slovakia, but the last uh, 100 years before, it, it had so many different names. It was also, yeah, socialist, Czechoslovakia at some point, and uh, yeah, many different names. So it was kind of like a, a journey that I went through, a historical journey. And then I realized, yeah, and right now I'm living in Slovakia. But hold on, my mother is have kind of Czech because she grew up in Czech Republic. So, yeah, I think uh, was just, yeah, everything is kind of influenced. And um, maybe that's why I'm also concentrating more on the conflict of, uh, of Russia and Ukraine, because like I feel for the people over there. Um, yeah, because in history, obviously, the Prague Spring and um, the whole influence of uh, Soviet uh, Union uh, on Czechoslovakia was also huge and also shaped me as a person and had impact on the way how I, you know, approach my music, how I also approach the piano, how I've been taught to play the piano. So that's why I always um, go back to the history, because I think uh, there are certain answers to who we are. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned some very interesting uh, events from the past. You also mentioned the word socialism um, and reading some of the notes. So I have to compliment and also let people be aware. So when we talked about talking about certain topics, I sent you one or two sort of very short sentences about what we could talk about. And then you responded with this massive text. Um, and and I thought, oh, wow, that's fantastic. So, I mean, that shows on the one hand, your enthusiasm and uh, need to talk about things, um, but also perhaps this latent, not necessarily pain, but perhaps there is an element of uh, some suffering, recognition of suffering from that history. And um, uh, yeah, I find it fascinating to talk about these things. Um, and I made the note here, the different faces of socialism, because I like to consider myself as a socialist, but the experience that you talk about with regards to socialism is a completely different kind of socialism. Um, and I think sometimes people put all of these different things all together um, and that's politically confusing. Mm. So, I mean, if you if we start from where you also mentioned the Prague Spring, because I, I have a feeling a lot of people may not have heard about this. Um, would you like to sort of introduce what that was about and, and, and what it tried to achieve? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so thank you. I am also glad that you enjoyed reading the text. I just wanted to, of course, like um, put my thoughts uh, together. And uh, of course, like that was also, you know, a question of like definition, like the words that we are using needs to be defined. And of course, in the political constitution, it also often happens that we end up having certain uh, system which ideally would have been good if, you know, the if it would really work. But um, in this case, the socialism that we had uh, back then in Czechoslovakia, of course, it had some, you know, maybe nice uh, ideas, like ideally everybody should have been kind of equal. But, you know, what actually uh, happened in the end was um, that, that people were not uh, happy enough because then they couldn't really be individuals. Um, so, yeah, Prague Spring was exactly a uh, point uh, of time in our history when, when um, politician Alexander Dubček, who is originally from Slovakia, decided or kind of like um, um, introduced an idea of having socialism with a human face. That means that it would have been maybe a little bit more so to say, um, empathic towards people because the socialism that was there after the Second World War, which has been kind of decided for Czechoslovakia, you know, uh, as a result of, for example, the Potsdam uh, Agreement and the, and the meeting that uh, the three main uh, presidents of Russia, USA and uh, Prime Minister from England have had. Um, as a result of it, we had a socialism. And then Alexander Dubček was like, hey, but let's make it a little bit more <laughs> friendly, so to say. Let's allow people to have their own little businesses because, for example, socialism, you had to, everything had to be um, given to a state. So, for example, my father's side family had a little farm and, you know, they would love to have their own little farm further, but because um, it was a communism, they had to give everything to the state. Some of them had to go to a prison, for example, for a certain time. And um, another disadvantage was that people couldn't really travel, you know, it wasn't really possible to go for a trip to to Western Germany or even to Austria or Paris, like um, my parents were were not free, so to say. They could travel maybe exactly like to Yugoslavia or Russia, but um, to, to have such a freedom as we have, as we younger generation have right now, uh, that's something that I like to take obviously advantage of. And that's why I'm also living abroad for many years, I think. And uh, so, yeah, um, this uh, idea of making um, Slovakia and the socialism with human face was unfortunately not um, something supported by, by Russia, obviously. And then all of a sudden, in August 1968, basically, um, Czechoslovakia was invaded by uh, Warsaw troops uh, and um, they basically stayed until uh, Russian state with their army until 1989 so um yeah i just remember the stories you know my parents would tell me or also people in school or the citizens that experienced it how how scary and traumatizing it was to wake up in the morning or in the night and having the tanks around and having the army around and then the politicians were asking people to 
stay peaceful and to not go into a conflict because then the war could have started and uh, this way the kind of idealistic, almost romantic idea of, of uh, socialism with human face was quite suppressed and um, led to an era of normalization, which then also exactly had an impact on obviously artists, because then there was a censorship, which we can also see right now in Russia. So basically, if you would like to write a lyrics, um, it must have been always, you know, written in a way that it would uh, kind of please the socialists and the government and if there was something rebellious you might have even yeah end up in a in a prison at some point uh, but yeah I mean that's me you know I wasn't really growing there and like myself I, I was born already into a democratic Slovakia but it's still very young democracy and that's why it's also pretty fragile. Sure and we can see this in some other um, Eastern European states which have long histories, um, but those histories also include, as indeed you have indicated, a lot of foreign influence on their destinies, on their fates, on how they're managed. Uh, and sometimes there is this, with young democracies, this uh, fragility which allows them to sometimes take the wrong step in a certain direction, or perhaps to be more easily influenced by more powerful potential allies. Um, but when we look at, you mentioned the the events which took place in 1968, and it also reminded me that the 1960s were a crazy time, as in, in you know, 1963, you had the assassination of Kennedy, um, you had the growth of the, the, the Vietnam War, um, you had the, the space race, then you had uh, further assassinations in the US, you had civil rights there were you know, all sorts of you know, e different kinds of economic models being propagated around the time. Um, it really was a period of transition. And through this period of transition, you also had the hippie movement, flower power, um, people trying to give hope um, you know, to those who didn't have it. And once again, just as you were saying before, the way art tries to find a way uh, to give people hope, belief, this feeling of of uh, you know a relief from the reality that they suffer um i, I think there's a, an inherent beauty in that so in in a gray ground there are always shoots of uh, floral beauty that come through exactly yeah and also what it gives to people is definitely i can say that the kind of feeling of you know connection and of belonging because we are all individuals and we are going through our own you know individual uh, experiences but what music for example can do is that it really wonderful connects the people and it makes you belong even though you come from a country and you are on your own somewhere in a foreigner country once someone starts to think everybody might you know join you or you have have a little concert somewhere you really start to feel like in the end of the day we are all really equal yeah um which is a simple and yet extremely beautiful and powerful thought as well and a reality uh, something that uh, a lot of us agree with um unfortunately some people in power don't but the, yeah that's something we're working on um yeah so Let's also talk a bit more about your your music, because um, you are yourself going through a little bit of uh, a lifestyle change um, and you're heading very much into a development of your music. Would you like to talk a bit more about that? 
Yeah, sure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yes, indeed, it's always about like finding your feet and questioning where you are right now in this journey. Um, because I started uh, really early when I was six years old, it really does feel like I wouldn't be able to live without the music. But on the other hand, let's face it, like it's also not something that is completely simple to live off. And also, even though, you know, I'm being critical towards the system in 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 Slovakia, the, the socialism back then, but I'm also not super <laughs> positive about this uh, system either, because like the exactly, you know, the, the kind of aggressive capitalism is also not giving many opportunities to young people to live from the music. Like, you know, there are many um, yeah, societies or many companies that are not really giving the chances, uh, which is a shame, unfortunately. Um, but um, yeah, I'm concentrating on, despite all of these things, on kind of exploring my own um, power and my own ability to, you know, feel free and to basically just express my emotions and my um, experiences of also exactly living uh, in Slovakia. I am coming from quite little town and sometimes when I compose, I like to Imagine that I am in a, you know, a cottage somewhere in the mountains and I'm thinking of my ancestors and of my grandparents who used to live there and uh, they used to play accordion, for example, or yeah, I'm just, you know, imagining certain, certain quite often really natural uh, kind of uh, visions that I'm inhabiting when I am composing. So um, I'm working on different compositions, but at the same time, I of course like to also sing and I also like different genres I love to do jazz for example step by step it takes me um yeah a long time to be honest with you because as a classically trained uh, person uh, jazz is completely a different approach towards music but that also inspires me to basically have the kind of courage and go through something different and to experiment a little bit so yeah music is definitely a freedom and i like to share it and i am grateful for every person who has the time or has the chance to to listen to some of my compositions because i know how fast lives we are all living and basically yeah the informations are coming from all over the side all the time sometimes i feel like i'm completely bombarded myself <laughs> so it's like yeah being um being also having this kind of time, you know, and creating the space for myself is also sometimes uh, even hard for me to 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 create because like I always uh, find something else to do or to read or so. But um, right now I am working on my LP uh, in a cooperation with one wonderful music producer, uh, Billy Mello. He is living uh, in Mallorca, so we all do it just uh, online, which is also kind of, you know, experiment for me, for him probably not, because he's very like experienced producer who's been back then living in Berlin for many years. But uh, for me, it's quite, um, yeah, brings a lot of fresh air. And that's something that I, that I appreciate and I, I love a lot. And we will include in the podcast notes some links to your music and your performances so that people can go and uh, and listen to you and see you perform as well. Um, so that's something we'll definitely include. 
people may think, okay, one minute, that was a very crazy jump. We're one minute talking 1968 um, <laughs> Prague Spring, <laughs> and then we jump into your music. But there is a there is a connection, and you alluded to it before with regards to the way in which you were taught the piano and the way in which you were you approached music. Um, so some of some other sort of historical elements between 1968 and 1989, we will talk about, if not in this episode, but in a future episode. But do you want to talk a little bit about that process of learning music in the way you did and how that culturally was perhaps impacted by the political um, system of the time? Sure, yeah. Um, basically, of course, it's quite a big jump, but why I also like to connect uh, the, the politics and the music is exactly um, because I believe that the artists, uh, maybe not all of them, but some of them uh, do have the ability to reflect upon, you know, the situation that is happening. And I also get quite inspired just by uh, looking at the um, stories of, for example, Czech singers who, you know, despite the fact that they were incredibly talented and they wanted to be kind of free within their expression. They rather were suppressed because they were not uh, supporting the propaganda. So this is the reason why um, I always kind of make the connections between between history and, and music. But it also comes from my family, of course, because as I mentioned, um, we were being all influenced, but my family of course, as well with the farming and everything, uh, into the into the extent that um, yeah, my father particularly is not a big supporter of of uh, Soviet Union. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, and then uh, when there was an opportunity in the 90s, probably for my parents to yeah give an education to their children, they basically decided that they will you know borrow money and that they will give us a piano which was a really beautiful gesture for which I wanted to be you know also um, thankful and to show my my uh, appreciation so I was really disciplined student and I had a teacher who was quite uh, conservative but still she had amazing taste so thanks to my teacher Viera Kalibodova I could uh, play from time to time also songs which otherwise other students wouldn't play because it's been all still affected by the typical pedagogical way of um, let's play only classical music and the students don't have a choice on what songs they are playing so but my teacher was a little bit uh, unconventional maybe in the right way so I could sometimes play a Beatles or Bohemian Rhapsody from Queens and yeah it was it was it brought definitely a pleasure you know and that's what the music is about <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, the education in Slovakia with the music education can um, reflect the the situation and the society. And I had and I still have many friends who also were very temperamental and very talented, but they like 
like they didn't have the luck as me uh, to basically get the the right teacher but i also of course was really at some point i just you know wanted to play uh, piano quite intensively it just brought me really wonderful opportunity to express myself and i was definitely hugely inspired by classical composers like you know then my taste started to evolve so i i loved schubert uh, that was probably the piece that inspired me the most or chopin of course um also dvorak or janacek um and from there i uh, realized that maybe i can also uh, get always better and better and then i started to be interested in film music and then i went to denmark for a certain time in order to be really um focused on on the music that otherwise i wouldn't play in Slovakia, in the Slovak school. But after six months, I came back and then my teacher was like, oh, look at you, you obviously put some time into practicing. <laughs> and I was like, yes, indeed, because I could also play um, neoclassical music, which is a type of music that I like to say I'm composing myself right now. Okay, all right. And you also, as you said, you studied in the UK too. Um, so you've definitely kind of introduced a lot of different uh, infusions from different musical styles, I guess. Um, and next week you're off to another continent as well. So you're, you're, you're definitely um, sowing the seeds of your music um, in, in different areas. You're going to uh, entertain different crowds. But you've also been doing lots of really cool events up until now as well, which has given you the confidence to then say, yeah, I'm going to take this step. How excited are you at the juncture at which you stand now? Yeah, I um, love uh, to basically travel. Uh, that's, of course, a passion that, as I mentioned, um, I am really uh, grateful for having it because uh, hearing through all my childhood uh, the fact that it's not always, you know, a given, <laughs> then it's like, um, of course, something that I like to connect with music making and uh, meeting other people and uh, creating events with other artists and to get inspired inspired by the stories of other artists and um, yeah lately I had the chance to get to know a Slovak writer who's been presenting her own book uh, in Berlin for example and then you can find out that um, people want uh, their voices for example to be heard you know in different ways of, of art form some are writers some are painters and I happen to be a musician and I love to cooperate with with also visual artists or also with writers and I like to believe that my music also can inspire the art artists so for example they can get into a flow uh, and then they say sometimes that they really enjoy listening to the songs while they are uh, for example, painting or so. So, um, as I said, uh, it's a great opportunity to connect basically internationally. And um, it's something that kind of gives me uh, meaning and gives me hope for future. Mm, yeah, very good. Um, and so, yeah, the, you're, you're ending 2023 in, with this fantastic trip. And then You've also got an LP coming out, or you, you're still in the process of producing, I guess, for 2024. Um, these are really cool projects, aren't they, 
for you to have in front of you. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. I also um, really appreciate uh, the opportunities uh, to just, you know, go further and to basically compose more and more like uh, the late uh, kind of feedback I have received from the wonderful Slovak Institute here in Berlin was um, to cooperate uh, in 2024 on all the literature evenings, for example, because they find the storytelling and the symbiosis between music and um, and the reading of the books really uh, useful and really harmonious. Um, but yes, firstly, I'm going to New York and I'm going to uh, play at uh, 33 Maiden Lane down Manhattan um, for Arts in Heaven, on, um, which is really wonderful institution, which basically supports uh, all artists from all over the world. And I'm going to play for them for the second time because um, first time they kind of randomly uh, found me when I played in the New World uh, Trade Center in 2000. 22, which was um, the very first time I went to New York and I said that it's going to be the most beautiful memory because the piano is not there anymore, but I all of a sudden appear to be in the highest uh, building, you know, of the of the Manhattan, uh, having this wonderful grand piano, which was artistically, like, uh, sprayed by one, one uh, painter, uh, who I'm probably going to meet again uh, this time and, um, yeah, that's that kind of feeling when you are really uh, very fulfilled and inspired for future. Fantastic. Um, and, and that's a great place uh, for us to take a pause. I'm looking forward to a lot more political analysis, uh, sociological analysis, and also musical infusion. Maybe we can put some of your music into our narratives too, um, just as how the, uh, the Slovak Institute has done. Um, thank you very, very much, Mishka. It's a real pleasure to basically meet you as well. I haven't seen you before. Um, and then to straight away go into this conversation um, and the, in the way that you have, uh, with the enthusiasm that you have, uh, I'm extremely grateful uh, and uh, thank you for that. Of course, anytime. And it's been also a wonderful experience for me. And uh, thanks for hosting me on your podcast. Two and a mic. Two.